0: Hey everyone. So I hurt my finger. Sorry, this is this finger. Um I burned it pretty good.
1: <laughs> you gave um, you gave the middle finger the wrong to the wrong person?
0: I'm just saying no, 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 no. I was building a puppet. Try right. between the lines. I mean, that's not that's not, not that's not like um like an act, you know. <laughs> that's not like it's saying I was actually really building a physical puppet.
2: Did that's the a, puppet attack you? Like I don't understand. Attack it's a the killer it's, puppets.
0: Uh, it's a big orange space muffin. Space penguin. If you look at my um Instagram feed, you'll see it. Um, And uh, yeah, so I'm using hot glue, which is um, really one of my favorite substances used. But you can never, ever, ever use it without gloves on, or else you will totally screw yourself. So, and there's nothing more painful than a hot glue burn. That's just—it's like one of the worst burns. It'll stay with you for days. I'll try and stay away from that. Yeah. So if you're building puppets, (laughs) which I know a lot of you are, that's that's why you're coming on the show right now to watch us to talk about puppet building. You are building puppets. um, You know. That's what you do. So I um, you guys just want to talk about I just want to mention where I am today. I had a meeting in Atlantic City, and I'm using the advantage to that to actually um, stay here tonight to see friends of mine, one of my favorite bands, The Hooters.
2: Oh, The Hooters, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, Hooters. the Hooters.
0: The Hooters are playing tonight, yes. The Hooters are playing tonight in Ocean City, New Jersey. Um, on the I theater. love the restaurants. <laughs> yes, this is, they, they predate the restaurants. Um, <laughs> And A hooter, you know, for those of you who are curious, is not it's not what you think it is from a restaurant. It's actually a um, it's a melodica, which is also like a wind, a wind piano kind of that you blow into. Um, that's actually technically a hooter, which is the sound of the hooters. If you See, think I thought,
1: of, like, I thought it was like like a kazoo.
0: No, it's like a, it has it, um, if, you know if you watch, um, you know, right now the best example would be the Colbert the Colbert show, where
1: you
2: know he has this guy come oh, out. Oh yeah, you like, know what? That guy's annoying with that. I know you don't like him, but uh, So is John. Colbert. Oh, no, he's not John Batiste. They're both. Awesome. I have seen him play yeah. that
0: live. I have. Not getting into that, but he plays one of those. Um, I have yeah. one. I, I sh- should have brought it with me to show you. But it's um, if you think of the song, um, it basically has the sound of like a, of a, an accordion almost. Um, because yeah. it is reeds. It's all it is is reeds inside of yeah. it and you blow into it, and um, it's the same concept as an accordion. We just push air through it. Yeah. So um, yeah, and that's if you think of the song, and we dance, which is like mm-hmm. one of the more popular Hooter yeah. songs. It's all throughout that song. You can hear that sound. Right. and um, the beginning part so that's anyway, going to see who's at the, the last uh, time
2: i heard that was at live
0: aid but i'm not sure yeah i mean probably i mean who they're still eric Brazilian's a wonderful person he's still
1: which he, he's we gone. should we should be scolded russ because we missed the anniversary of live aid we'll have to I wait know. till next july 13th but yeah right
0: were? right it just happened that's right i right. i was the only place in the world that you couldn't see live aid that day i was on a plane coming back from europe um like just the, and it, before you know you could see things on planes
1: Were you you on the Concorde sitting next to Phil Collins?
0: I passed Phil Collins in the air because he was – you know, I think he started in – did he start in England or started in Philly? He He started in England England. went to Philly. Because I was going the same direction as him, yes. We probably were – I I think he was sitting – he was probably in a slightly faster plane. I think I was flying –
1: He was in the Concorde. He was in the Concorde.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. He was in the Concorde. That's right. I was flying Icelandic air, which is like a bus with wings, and um, we had to stop in Reykjavik to show the – I think the pilot wanted to show the –
2: I'm very familiar with Icelandic air. They used to stay in my hotel all the time. Yeah, like, they are the
0: cheapest like, way to get to Europe back then, and um, you know, flying a stork. You basically uh, stop in Reykjavik too, so the pet pilot can show his friends the plane, you know, and then you move on. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's pretty crazy.
1: Ru- Russ wants to bring Russ wants to bring up something before we get started here. For well, all the you. people, if yeah, for all the people, we we, we do start with non hockey stuff. If you don't like it, sorry.
2: Yeah, well, summer you know brings out the movie season and. I had gotten an email maybe about a week ago, and I didn't have a chance to put it up or respond, but it was from Redbox. You know, the people who do movie renting, they have those big red boxes, or they do it online. And they came out with a list of their top ten baseball movies, and that's something where it's always in good debate. And they did it from their their experts, they said. Now, I don't know if that means people (laughs) on staff, people who rent all of it, none of it. I don't know. If it's on staff, they should be fired. But there were a thousand of them, so they can't be all on staff, right? But That's here's so the list that they came up with was, and we'll talk about it after. But number one, Field of Dreams. Number two, League of Their Own. Three was The Sandlot. Four was Major League. Five, Angels in the Outfield. Six, Bad News Bears. Seven, The Natural. Eight, Full Durham. Nine, Rookie of the Year. And ten, Moneyball. And my, I said the list isn't bad. No, I think but, it's bad. But but the thing is. The two of them that I immediately would lop off would be Angels in the Outfield and Rookie of the Year. Like those movies, I don't know if they if they were really just querying like 10-year-olds or, <laughs> you know. I just don't know who liked those movies. Yeah, like that,
0: the outfield, like I, for having kids who in that,
2: if, you know, they were
0: – Outfield came before my kids were born, I think. It was like the 1990s, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I never get them confused. But yeah, but but kids do love that movie. Like I'm
2: sure. I'm sure. And, and so
0: – well, oh, was the – um? oh, shoot. Was the was the woman uh, – the, the movie about the women?
1: Yeah, League of Their Own. League
2: of Their Own was two. That was, I'm sorry. I missed that. Yes, sir. That's okay. That so, should be two. So I – you know, and we all have ones that we'll think are missing. The two that I thought were missing were Bang the Drum Slowly. Now, that's old. I was 10 years old when that was made. It was Robert De Niro, but it's a great movie. Yes. The second one was Eight Men Out. Like, we've all seen Eight Men Out, and yeah. it's just fantastic about the 1919 Black Sox scandal. Now, the funny thing about it was – Neither of those movies are available on Redbox. So my my, uh, my retort is they need right. to consult me so they can make movies like this available because they're just missing. But I figured I'd ask Mike what he thinks is missing and ask you too.
0: Yeah, go ahead, you
1: first, Mike. Well, I mean, Eight Men Out is glaring because I mean it's one of my one of my favorite baseball movies. I, I think you know the natural. Needs to be much higher in the in the in, on the list than than you know. I, I think the natural was a, a first or second. I, I love That's Field of for me. I, I admit. Yeah. I, lo- and I you know I, I have an emotional tie to Nat the natural because it was filmed in Buffalo at the old rock pile and yep. i know of some people who were extras in the movie and you know there's a lot of scenes that were if you go around buffalo you can still see the buildings that they were they were filmed at so and i mean that's in the hall of fame right it's a, it's a pretty big yeah. deal yeah it's 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 a great movie now honestly and this was not a great movie but better than and, and i'm assuming that the angels in the outfield they're talking about is the danny Glover movie which i thought yep. was horrific and it's a remake of an old an old movie um you know not the babe with john goodman that was horrendous <sighs> Um, the but but and the Sandlot is cute. Rookie of the Year is an an abysmal movie. It's so bad. I actually think that one that was sort of cute was a movie called Little Big League, where the where a kid I that one. inherits the the Minnesota Twins from his grandfather yeah. who passes away, and you know he he tries to be. He becomes the manager of the team. You know, it's not realistic, but it was cute. Um yeah. but, but some of those some of those movies the, the that has some redeeming redeeming value. Rookie of the year, you know, some kid breaks his arm, all of a sudden he can throw 115 miles an hour. I mean give me a
0: friggin' break. <laughs> what yeah. about what about you, uh? Yeah, um, you know, there's a couple that are really old. Um you know, there are good some good base movies. I was looking through my list here of um I mean I recently made a list of sports movies and brought up three funny okay. movies.
1: I mean Pride of the Pride of the Yankees, I mean, but
2: it's it's dated yeah. Old. I mean, I mean I, All I, *Rookie* was was a good movie by Disney, but it's not top ten. I think *Money*, I think I think *Moneyball* should be higher.
1: Yeah, yeah. it should be higher.
2: I
0: agree. I love, I, I, you don't think you don't agree, Mike?
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And and, and the *Rookie* with Dennis Quaid. Well, that's why I said I just said uh, that. Yeah, that's that was that was, that was a pretty that was a pretty good movie.
0: I I I'll agree on that one. Yeah. Um, someone had told me about that movie. I reached watch recently. 61. You guys ever see that movie?
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, 61, not, it's, not, not, a theat- it's not a out. theatrical release. It's an HBO movie. So that's... Yeah, but it was, it was really well done. I mean, I, I, I have to say, as much as this movie is well loved, I think Bull Durham is extremely overrated. Yeah. I do want to say something about 61. I think the movie was well done,
2: I think it had too much Billy Crystal influence. I think that yeah. was the problem with that movie. Yeah.
0: Yes.
1: And forty, and uh, you don't see that forty-two is on this. The the, the movie and 42 about forty-two was excellent. Like forty-two could be the next movie on the list. Yeah, yeah. forty-two is not on there. And I I've heard, I, I read something uh, a day or so ago that there are people, uh, there there are there are people related to players who were in the game who uh, that said that you know apparently in in the movie they had him. Hurling racial epithets at Jackie Robinson, and they're like, "No, my father didn't do that." There was that kind of, uh, um, you, know, you know, what it did happen. And I'll, I'll tell you what: my mother
2: saw Jackie Robinson at Ebbets Field, and I watched the movie with my parents, and she thought it was great. Like it really brought her back.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, a movie that I like too that you probably that not many people have seen. I don't even think either. I was I'm trying to remember this. It's um, when was this? Cheese. It's. I would, it was a, It was based on something that happened in like
1: 1957. Um, what was the name? What was the? Who a was
0: poor, a, a poor bunch of kids from California. What was it called? Is know. it The Sandlot? Probably The Sandlot. Uh, the Perfect Game.
1: Perfect Game.
0: Ever seen that one? It's really good. Yeah, I think it's called The Perfect Game. I'm looking at it right now.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. The, the, the other. The other one that I think was an honorable mention and actually would belong on this list, other than some of them, would be For the Love of the Game, the Kevin Costner movie. That's a I'm good movie. Not there. a great movie. Not a great movie, a good movie. They have, of course, they had to have a, you know, they had to have a romantic relationship. To it wasn't all baseball. It had to be, you know, you had to have him fall in love with Kelly Preston, which isn't tough to. Grattan story. That's a good one. That's an awesome one. story is good, though. The, the, the movie with Ronald Reagan where he plays Rover Cle- Cleveland Alexander is yeah, good. that was a pretty
2: good movie actually. This yeah, The Perfect Game
1: is two thousand
2: nine. I don't think I ever saw it.
0: Yeah, it's actually worth seeing. It's pretty good. It, it's good. it's pretty. It, it's definitely worth. Um, I think it's on Netflix. It's on Amazon. Yeah, it's it. The one that was really bad was that Tom
2: Selleck one. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, Mr. Mr. Baseball.
1: Mr. Mr. Baseball. Mr. 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 Three Thousand with, with <laughs> Bernie Mac was terrible. It was terrible. It was terrible.
0: Um, yeah. It was, uh, oh my gosh. There's some. And I'm gonna throw. my honorable mention it if we could just throw all-time television, baseball, tel- like just clips or anything involving this. And this is not a movie. But baseball bugs is by far the best Bugs Bunny of all
2: time. Oh yeah, yeah, that that's true. I mean, we all. He, who plays baseball still references that.
1: Last yeah, thing he, here. Here's the here's the rule about baseball movies. Never make a baseball movie that has the has the name Mister at the beginning of it because yeah, Mister Baseball, Mister Three Thousand. If you remember, Mister Destiny with uh, with Jim yeah. Belushi, where it's a you yeah. know, the, he drops a, he drops a fly ball in Little League and a. Ch- Changes the course of his life. I mean, it's just brutality. It's horrible. And the f- and the worst one could be the fan with I was Wesley. All the
0: fan, oh, oh, the the, fan that guy the, 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 uh, the San Francisco got fan, right? Like he was. Um. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was thinking I about
1: that. the the stalker fan played by Robert De Niro. So Robert De Niro goes from one of the better baseball movies in Bangor, oh, 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 oh. to a horrific. He's got, one. On, he's got it on both ends. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's start <laughs> yeah, before everybody turns off the show.
0: Yeah, before everyone tunes out. That's a good idea. All right, ready?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's what's today's date. Today is the seventeenth of July. Okay.
0: Hello Acki World. It's Monday, July seventeenth, twenty
1: seventeen. I'm Michael Ajello and there is only seven weeks until the opening of training camp.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen, I'm not Russian Summer. And I'm and I'm wearing a shirt from the Kimberly Coffee Foundation. That, but, Benefit Meningitis, raising awareness. Very, very good. Nice, very nice. Very nice. Um,
0: Adam Eklund, you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday um, in the afternoons, and we go all year long. So, you know, um, so I'm fighting. I'm playing hurt a little bit today, but we're going to get through this. I got a little bit of a stomach bug, so if I run out of the room at any point. You know what's <laughs> okay. Sorry to share, but I don't feel the greatest today. So I'm, I'm but I'm okay. I'll be all right. And. Uh, Let's see the big news today. Well, someone did point out. That, I mean, obviously, we have has signed uh, for three years and nine point three million dollars. It's pretty good. That's a that's
2: a fair deal.
1: Yeah, I I, I think it's. I mean, yeah, I because I, I wrote an article um, today about uh, how this contract might affect other RFA situations out there. And Peugeot has been in the league for. I mean, he's played in parts of. I think it's four seasons, but he's played in the league, you know, beginning to end. Uh, two years in Ottawa, he scored 19 goals two years ago. 12 goals last year. Had eight in the playoffs. Russ knows because he got him a lot against the Rangers. Um, and you know he's a pretty effective defensive forward. So a three-year deal at around three million bucks for somebody who scored almost 20 goals. And at the end of this deal, he's an RFA. He's not a UFA. That right. that makes a lot of sense. And I, I, yeah, what he's a good I wrote, player. Yeah, and what I what I what I wrote today is that, you know the Leafs with Connor Brown right now, he's a similar player. Actually, has less experience than Paggio, so the Leafs probably can slot Connor Brown in a little less than three million dollars on a multi-year deal.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm a Pagio fan. Like, I I've always been a Pagio fan. I know he has his ups and downs, but I just think that I really I really like his game. I think he's one of those players that seems like he's just got a lot of raw skill, you know, and. Mm-hmm eventually that does rise, I think, you know, like, and, and, you know, once you get, once the speed of the game, once you can get your skill to match the speed of the game, which he's doing, you know, you got, you can have great success, you know. Um, it's funny, he reminds me of, like, uh, of Billy Lano, I want to throw that out there, just like, in a, in a weird way, just like, do they have, like, similar, I'm a, I'm a usually you know, huge Lano fan, too, and I know Sabres fans. Until they hit Buffalo. Aren't, but yeah, I mean, I, before that, I was a huge Lano fan, so I, in a, in a similar way, you know, tons of raw skill, so. I like this. I think it's a good move. Um, Brian Campbell has retired. Yeah. And, and, and interesting. I mean, Brian Campbell, I think, had some opportunities to play, but I guess he I guess he really only wanted to play. It was probably Chicago or I'm done. Chicago or nowhere. Yeah, at this point. Um, but he's, a, you know, it's interesting. And, and, and so we're kind of starting to see these some defensemen because also Cody Franz, who's been rumored to a lot of places and a lot of different things, now look, looks like he might get a PTO
1: with Chicago. And, yeah. Uh, and and th- this is I mean we're we're in that sort of gray area right now where some veterans are hoping for that one year one million dollar deal which seems to be you know a lot a lot of veteran guys got that deal one year yeah one, I'm still one. hoping for that yeah I mean me too okay. me too I'll, I'll, I'm holding out for that one but uh, R J Umberger over the weekend got the PTO for Dallas and you know that. Makes a little bit of sense because no, it case? doesn't.
0: Hold on, let's let's yeah, stop let, that, that. that one. That one, I yeah. Here's right. the thing.
2: I get that he is probably finally feeling like he's recovered from the hip surgery. We watched him when he was recovered from the hip surgery, and I like him as a person, and I like his physicality, and I think he still probably has decent hands. He's too slow. He's far cool. too slow.
1: And I'm not. I said what I was saying was it makes sense in the sense that he played for Hitchcock.
2: No, That's it still doesn't make sense.
1: Well, that,
2: this, it, is, it's a, this is this is what
0: Hitchcock is thinking. Hitch, Hitchcock giving him a chance. Hitchcock does this, right. you know? Yeah, but the, you know what? this I think it's okay to give him a it's chance.
1: It's a roll of the dice.
0: This is part of what makes Hitchcock Hitchcock. You know, this is what a part part of why players want to play for him. You know, They he gave it. Look, I mean, the best example I can think of is Scotty Upshaw. I did the same thing for right, and he ended up playing for a couple of years. You know, um, in a similar situation. So I mean, this I don't, is, I cannot see. I'm with you, Russ. I can't see RJ Embree um, having any ability to play in the NHL anymore. But who knows? I mean, maybe he maybe he sees something that we don't, but maybe he was so hurt. But he was not just hurt. He was really, he was really down on himself all the time. That was a lot of stuff. Like, you know, when you talked to him back in Philly, he was like, I'm done. He would basically
2: say he was done, you know. Like, that was the kind of impression I got. Um, so I don't know. Here, here's, here's my thinking. So let's say it comes down to RJ Umberger or Jason Dickinson, who's 22 years old and is getting ready yeah, to break true. out. Because Ken Hitchcock is sort of stuck in his ways, and he is, let's be real about that. When in St. Louis, he definitely was, it's possible he could rather bring on a guy like Umberger than explore someone like Dickinson who's got a lot of offensive upside. Because you know what? I trust Umberger and I know he'll
1: he knows my game. And it's like, you know, that hurts young players. It does. Well, but yeah. but I mean, we're talking about a team here with the moves that they've made is a win now team. They add Bishop. They, you know, you can they win they, now with young players, Mike. That's no, right. no, but then but look what look what they've added. They add they added Bishop. They added on defense. They added vet, a veteran and Mark Mathod on defense. They didn't add youngsters. They No, added no but women. the thing is, look, Pittsburgh Penguins don't win now without Jake Gensel. He's a young player. They I'm I'm not arguing that point, but I'm saying I'm just saying what Dallas did is you know they brought you know they brought in Radulov. they brought in Martin Hansel, they brought in uh, Method um, they brought in veterans. So that's – you know and so do I think that Umberger should make the team over a 21 or 22-year-old kid who has more speed and more – And no, I don't think that. But I think Hitchcock is thinking I would trust Umberger on a fourth line more than I would trust a 21-year-old kid who could make a And that's the wrong. Team. That's my right, point. It's wrong, bad. but that's what I going to happen.
0: Maybe he's bringing RJ in, and sometimes he bring in you bring in see how he works with the players, and then you can offer him some kind of position, like you know maybe a, maybe as a coach or a nice thing. That that can also play into things too. It's possible. I mean, this is this is RJ. He's, you know, this is it Chuck doing a favor for RJ Jember, which is fine. I, I think I, I I like the fact that that still exists in the NHL um, because you know that doesn't always that you know
2: people are I don't because again I yeah. see I, mean, I see a twenty-two year old that won't get that offer now. Or won't get called up now because that guy's in camp.
0: Yeah. I can see that. I mean but you know speaking of new players, the Flyers have signed Nolan Patrick to an entry-level contract.
2: Um yeah, can we let's get into that for a sec because I don't want to bury the lead on that because yeah, there's a lot of look on the radio in Philly, they've already started making commercials for Nolan Patrick, which I think is ridiculous because he's not a lock to make yes. the team. And just yeah. because he gets signed to an ELC, he's not a lock to make the team. There's a right. lot of things. Like someone – here's the kinds of questions that I'm being asked, Ek, and this is why I think it's worthy of bringing up. Like yeah. someone said, well, who's going to beat him out for a spot? And my answer is it's not about who's going to beat him out for a spot. Is It's is he ready for a spot. Like right. that's, that's a whole different thing because he's better than, let's say, Scott Lawton in, in the next year or two. We all know that. But it's about this year, and it's about do you want to rush a kid? And again, if someone's going to say, well, there's nothing that, that makes it any sense for him going back. You know, Mike and I talked about it off-air. We said the same thing about Mitch Warner. Send him back. He can play in everything. He can play in the World Juniors. He can go for a Memorial Cup. Same thing for Patrick. There's always sense to send him back. Even though he's a 100-point guy, it doesn't matter. It's not about that. It's about just repetitions, being successful, playing a certain amount of games, and playing in every situation. And unless he could do that on the Flyers, it's probably not worth it. So that's why I don't think he's a lock. I think you have to wait and see.
1: And there's enough depth with the Flyers up yeah. the middle that they they can survive for a year without Nolan without Nolan Patrick. I mean, you have Giroux, you have you know you can play football either on the wing or on at center. You have Latery, you yeah. have Couturier, Vecchione. I mean, you've got enough guys. To, to not have to roll the dice on a guy who might not be ready and I, the, the guy who I use as the example with with Patrick was Morgan Riley because Morgan Riley missed most of the draft year yeah. that uh, you know with the with yeah. a, a torn ACL and as Patrick missed most of the year with his st- stomach problem with the stomach muscle right. problem, it makes more sense developmentally. you know if he goes to training camp and he impresses makes the team great. Do not rush him. Maybe you maybe you give him five or six games. You see what he's like. You give him give him a taste of what the NHL is like. But maybe maybe you don't. But in the end, send him back to the WHL. Let him dominate there. Let him play in the World Junior. And then next year, you got a nineteen-year-old kid who's who knows what the NHL is about and, and is pr-
0: more prepared. I don't know. I mean, these are always tough calls. I think with ninety-nine percent of the players, what you're, what you're saying is right. You know, um, when a guy, you know. Has a hundred and two points in what seventy games, or whatever in the WHL, and you're going to send him back there? Um, you do risk a what chance. Mitch
2: Marner, I mean, Mitch Marner heading no,
0: I mean, back. but the Leafs it, were definitely further back than the Flyers are. You know, like the Flyers and the way and the, the Leafs thinking was, we're not going to be good until we think another year and try to get you know. it you
1: know, wasn't. It wasn't all that. Act. It was also. It was also. I mean, I wrote about this on the weekend. The Leafs have adopted the overripening Detroit. Developmental model. They kept William Neilander in the SHL for a half a year and in the AHL for a year. They kept they sent Marner to junior. The only player that they advanced, uh, you know, was was Matthews because you couldn't hold him back because he was so good. But everybody else, they they have allowed to play more in the AHL or in the CHL or in Europe. And that's good developmentally. I, I I don't think that Nolan Patrick is hurt if they decide we want him to build on, you know, to build you know, build strength, to get more experience in the WHL and some international experience in the World Junior. That, that there's no harm. I mean, there. He has a perfect kind of get you know
0: for that for what you would like to see. Like we talked about Marner, you know, he should be in the A, should have been in the AHL, you know, and, and mm-hmm. you know, right. the same kind of situation.
2: Right? If the AHL was an option. We wouldn't be having this conversation. We
0: wouldn't be having this discussion at all, right? And I think. And one thing I will say is Hextall is incredibly conservative, I find. Um, and if there is, I do think that, like, Russ, what you're saying I think is correct, that, you know, you couldn't, shouldn't call him a lock at all. And I think that, you know, Flyers fans should know that there's a good chance Hextall's thinking exactly like Russ is thinking, and that's that's the basic, and that's the truth. When he sits there and says that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, he's just saying that. I don't think he's just saying it. I think that's legitimate. I do think sometimes people just say things, but Hexy doesn't. Um, yeah. You know, and he'll, he'll, he'll fight that. There, there is, you know, there was a lot of pressure before, you know, you don't have like an Ed Snyder here who wants to see, you know, the new shiny toy playing right away, you know, which is definitely was a thing with Philadelphia for many years. And that Flyers fans, you know, that's a plus or minus depending on how you look at it, you know, like I know Flyers fans who like that's what they wanted, you know, that's what you, you want you want to put the best players on the ice all the time. And then the people who really want to develop players can say some players have gotten hurt by that, you know, so it's all, it's, it's it all depends on how mature he is as a player mm-hmm. And I think I think you know that, like for example, Couturier when he came in, no one really expected him necessarily to jump right into the, to the team. But the maturity level he had was obvious. You know that was there was mm-hmm. something you could just see right away, right? I mean that was the thing that we all.
2: You know, but he also had, had a specific role. They brought him in to role. be a defensive guy. It's easier to do that right. with no with no offense pressure whatsoever. If you bring in Nolan Patrick, there will be offensive pressure no matter what. There'll be pressure,
0: right? And he'll be playing with the skilled players for sure. You know, I mean, he'll be yep. with the top players. But you know, you could argue that Couturier's career was hurt a little by this. You know, like there. You know, I mean, it's hard. It's you never. You know, you never. Know I him.
2: never thought he was going to be a massive scorer. I thought yeah. I thought those two numbers were inflated, and I think people got yeah. a little crazy. Yeah, but people have definitely been
0: hard on him for I mean, he has the offensive. The fact is, he is so smart, and you know, the was the. The son of a coach, which is obvious, that was mm-hmm. obvious right away, but you know, certain things are obvious. You know, Couturier, there was almost like no question about it, it was just like, okay, he's ready. You know, um, what we don't know is until Patrick gets in there, we really see how he reacts to this whole situation. You know, will he be relieved that this whole draft? Because I think, I think the last year has been incredibly stressful for him, you know. Oh, like, absolutely. I think more so than a lot of other top draft picks. You know, like he's just been—he's been hurt. He's been questioned over and over again. There was this Nico versus Nolan thing after he was basically for like three years was the guy, right? And no one yeah. thought from time he was like 13 years old. Basically, he's gonna be the guy, mm-hmm. and uh, and now suddenly he isn't. And he was second overall, you know, which is and I think that he's got to be feeling a lot of relief about the fact that he just has an NHL team now. Um, but yeah, will there be a letdown from all the stress and all the craziness? It's possible. I, Will there be pressure in Philly? To sure. There, there always is pressure, right? And um, there was pressure to keep Marner in Toronto. You know, that was a big deal, as you remember, Mike, very clearly. Well, yeah,
1: yeah but, but I don't think the Leafs would have hesitated if Marner had showed he wasn't ready to send him back to, uh, to London for another year. I mean, it was all based on the fact that, um, you know, around this time last year at the developmental camp, you know, him yeah, battling. I mean, they set him down for one year, right? Like they had... Right, they they said they right. He he went to he went to the rookie tournament. He was clearly not ready to to play against adults. They sent him back right away. There was no question. The next year, you know, he went to the rookie development camp and he's battling in the corner with Austin Matthews, who's a foot taller than him. And I'm like, okay, everybody's saying, you know, not to say he's ready there, but he then showed in the preseason that. He could hang with the big guys, he and, and he could avoid the avoid the uh, the contact. So right. you know he earned his way. And but if the, if he had showed that he wasn't ready yet, like Sam Reinhardt did his first year with with Buffalo at nine games, they sent him back to the WHL, it did, and it yeah. didn't harm him. I think in a way it helped him because he had a good rookie year for the Sabres.
2: Yeah, as an example, like Katoria had ninety six points also in fifty eight games. Right. So though you you look at those numbers and you say okay, so the Flyers threw him in there. He did have mainly a defensive role, but he ended up with 27 points. Okay. But then the next year he had 15 points. So the next year it definitely took a toll on him until the year after when all of a sudden things sort of probably settled for him in his mind. And then now this is the Couturier you see where you're getting about 35, 40 points. You're not getting anything more. Patrick is a better offensive player than that, but we don't know what's going to happen his first year based on who he's playing with and how everything's going to shake out. Is he going to get top power play time? Like he's not going to get those things, right? So – that's where you have to look at it and say, is it worth it? And honestly I my who was Patrick's um line
0: mate, like in in, in the W in w, in w. was there a guy um, like that oh. benefited from him? Usually, I'll take it's usually the guy Okay, right? I know who it is. Too. Sorry for throwing that at you like all of a sudden, but I was just thinking I'm just thinking like who on the Flyers do they is there somebody on the Flyers in a a similar style of player like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, uh, I mean I think that you know You've seen a lot. I I haven't necessarily, you know, been a fan of the Giroux Simmons combo. Always, mm-hmm. I think at times it's okay, but I guess the question is who's going to be the who's the winger that's going to play with him, that's going to score that's going to score points. I mean, is it is it Voracek? You know, is is it basically you have Voracek and Simmons? I think its
1: Yeah, think.
2: but you're not going to put Voracek on the third line. You're probably not going to put him on the second line. That's the thing.
0: I think I think Patrick will. I think they. I don't know who. So who's the second line center for the Flyers? It'll yeah, be uh, Filipello. I don't think so. I think he'll be the third line center. I, I think and and Couture, I,
1: I. It'll be it'll be Giroux one, Couturier two. No, um, it'll
0: be Couturier. Actually, Filipello will be four. Actually, in my mind, it'll Lattera,
1: be Lattera three.
0: Um. I think I, don't, I think some some of these obviously playing the wing here, but I think that you know. So I don't know. Was, I mean, you got a lot of centers you're talking about. I,
1: I think I think Philple is going to play the wing. He played mostly yeah. wing with. Uh, I mean, he can play center, and
0: they might they so might do right. Really, Laterra for um is wing. You know, with Laterra probably, um, or 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 with Couture. But I think that I think that you know you have to. Patrick has to be a second, your second or first line center. That's what you. That's what you're thinking, right? Because that that. The guy that's drafted that high, yeah, but
2: it doesn't mean he's going to be that in the first see, season.
0: Like, like you know, Austin Matthews wasn't the top center for Toronto for a while too. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was on the third, yeah. fourth line as well. But we that all was a
1: that was a that was a matchup thing more than anything. They didn't want they happen. didn't want him playing head to head against Bergeron or Eichel. Like, just out of just out of the you know, like yeah. the first. Half of the season, he didn't match up against John Tavares or Steven Stamkos. They wanted him to not match up against those guys. They wanted, say, Kadri to match up against them, and then have Matthews playing against second, third line matchups. That's right. What I want.
0: And that, that, that to me is going to be the interesting thing to see because, you know, I mean, you can you, like with with Austin Matthews. I remember talking to somebody, and you know, they, they said, "Oh, he's a third line center." And this is when the Toronto came to Philly early on, and, and the person said, "Well, you know." doesn't really matter what you want to call it if Austin Matthews is out there we're going to be checking him like we're going to put somebody out against him so he can say his third line second line whatever you want to say he's their best offensive player so we're going to have our best off, best defensive player against them when he's on the road so well,
1: um, on the road sure
0: and that's that's how it's going to play out you know in a lot of these situations but i don't the question is do they the if i think what could depend a lot for Patrick and whether he stays or goes is going to be if he has immediate chemistry with somebody or not you know like that yeah. play into it you know, that definitely helped Matthews this year, you know. Um, you know, obviously with Nylander right off the bat. Um, if he has that chemistry, you know, if he
2: doesn't have that definitive thing right off the top, you know. Well, was, I mean, I would say it would be smart to put a guy like Simmons with him, but then, you know, you're moving him from where maybe the coach really wants him. Yeah,
0: I mean, and I, and I think that also, you know, you're going to see – I think you're going to see a, a good bounce back here from Giroux as well. I don't think that that's –
2: I would expect that. I don't know. I mean, here's here's the thing. I mean, Jeremy Roenick certainly doesn't think so. Well, I don't know what Jeremy Roenick knows, but well, I, well he said that Giroud lets everybody get in his head.
0: I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I think Giroud just plays hurt. Honestly, that's really what I think. I mean, and I think that last year yep. he was hurt all year, and I think he's healthy now, and that's that's going to be the major difference. I mean,
1: well. I, I honestly, I honestly looked at, as an objective opinion. I honestly look at the Flyers' lineup right now as currently constituted and see a non-playoff team. So, I mean, to me, that would lean towards sending Nolan Patrick back because you've got a lot of you got a lot of transition here. You've, you, I think. Yeah. You, know, you, you could put a Scott Lawton at fourth line. You've got, I think, average goaltending in Elliott and Neuverth. You know, you've know, you got young defensemen learning to play in the NHL. You've got some really good young forwards and some established guys, but I don't think enough of them to, to contend with the other teams in the division. I, I, don't, I don't see the benefit in exposing Nolan Patrick to that unless they think he's ready, and I, I, right now I can't see how they yeah. would think that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll throw this out to you, Mike. I think it's funny. I think the Flyers have anything but average goaltending. I think they either have great goaltending or terrible goaltending. Um, well, I
1: think we were terrible.
0: I yeah. think no, I think that because because Elliot and Neubert are both goalies that have the that have shown that they have, they're either really really good or not good at all. So right. in my opinion, there is no average goaltending in Philly. That's the one thing that there isn't.
1: Well, I'm uh, taking the cumulative here, acting. Yeah, I mean, they, they can like, be great so. for 20 games and crappy for 20 games, and like in the middle
0: half the flyers are above average or whatever, you know.
2: All right, so, yeah, two of the guys that Patrick had a lot of success with, because last year you can't really go with. um, Jace Howerluck, who's Florida's guy, he's a bit of a rough-and-tumble guy who has some offensive ability. And John Quenville. John Quenville is also a guy that is sort of in that mold, too, where he's got a little bit – he's got some offensive ability, but he's also a pretty rough guy uh, playing against, too. So put some points up with some kind of
0: uh – Not to say like super skilled players, right? Like these are, yeah,
1: Yeah. Yeah, maybe you'd put up some points at Braden Shen. Oh, wait, sorry, he got traded. Sorry.
0: No, but this is sort of to me like, uh, you know, that sounds like, you know, a good match for like a Simmons player. You know, Simmons, I think, is is, it gets his goals from working really hard and and does create opportunities and has some serious skill along the boards, but is not what you would call a super skilled player. You know, like Voracek's Mm -hmm. a much more skilled player than Simmons, but.
2: Yeah, I don't think you could put Voracek with a rookie of any kind. I just don't think that's fair to the rookie because half the time you don't know what Voracek's going to do because he doesn't know what he's going to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. We're, but but maybe this is the maybe this is the guy. Like you know, Voracek and Giroux are such a it's like a star-crossed thing. You know, where you have these two players who play really well together half the time, and then half the time they don't play well together at all. So it's hard to understand. They happen. But the Flyers are are a team that I, if I was to like list the two or three most difficult teams to say their playoff teams are not the Flyers or one of them. Like mm-hmm. they are, they're definitely in that group. I mean, they are not – there's no way you can sit and say that they're not a playoff team at all because, and just based based on the assumption of, you know, the fact that they have two goalies who could be terrible but could be great. Um, and I know that's what most people are going off of, you know. Mason, we talked about before, Mason was the reason the Flyers made the playoffs two years ago. It was a lot – like Russ, you put perfectly, most of the good things that have happened to the Flyers over the last couple of years have been because of yeah. um but also, you know, there's a certain – Mason did bring a certain attitude to the team that I think is going to be – is Elliott's going to be better, a better suit, better fit for the, these guys. Um, and perhaps they won't be quite so up and down. Like the roller coaster might not be so drastic.
2: But here, well. Here's the quote from Ronick, and I, I don't agree with him on this. So the reason – why, and he says he loves Claude Giroux. He says he's a stud. So he, he sort of gives you the – the Trump analysis where he gives you butters you up at the beginning yeah, and then yeah. he then he steps on you. So here's what he says. The reason why Claude Giroux doesn't get success is because he lets everything get into his mind and he looks for other things to blame it on. No. Claude Giroux can play his game and he can play it at a high, hard level. He's just got to get back in the inside of the game, start attacking the game, and not worrying about what the media or the fans are saying about Claude Giroux, period. I never get the sense he cares. I'm cared. sorry,
0: JR, but have you ever met Claude Giroux? I mean to sit there and say Claude Drew blames anybody for anything. Have you Never. ever heard Claude Drew blame anyone but himself? Like Never. He, he's he is completely the opposite of that. I mean, there are plenty of players in that locker room. I would say sure, but yeah. no. I mean, it, it's like that's that's the most crazy statement about Claude. Giroux. I mean, that's like really just looking at the statistics and trying to come up with a story that doesn't
2: exist. Yeah, he he's not around the player, and I think unfortunately, no. unless you're around the player and you hear these postgame comments and see him all the time and. He doesn't blame anybody. Now, after that, he still says something about wearing the C on the chest and, and he says it in a complimentary way, but it's like he butters him up, then he kills him on something that doesn't even exist. Lajaro
0: was made the to captain too early. There's no question. Yeah. How to do that. that that's for sure. They should have given it to chemo team in that
2: year and they would have been fine. It was uh, a marketing thing. It was. He, wasn't, they, he wanted it too. Like he did go to them and say he like, did, that. He did. But you know, look, yeah. just because your kids want something, you don't give it to them. they didn't have yeah. to give it to him. But, but the he point when I say he wanted it,
0: it wasn't like he was a jerk about it. He, but he crazy. was, because Claude Giroux is anything but a jerk about anything. Like he's yeah. not. I mean, what he, if anything, he is too humble for his own good at times, um, and he doesn't. You know, I mean, but there's not like a there's not a. I mean, there's not like, the way Ronick's wrote, wrote describing him is like that's 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 crazy. It is, and that's why I, know, thought, I thought, thought it was an odd comment Like that has nothing to do. I mean, Giroux's issues have not been. His issues have been the fact that he plays hurt and will not take games. Will not take time, like take a month off to get better. But right. he, because he feels the pressure to play, and he wants to be a part of his team, he doesn't want to let his team down for sure. But he's not. But even when he's playing hurt, the guy who says all these excuses never uses
2: them. No, and, you know, he and, never does. And he, you know, you go to him, and I've talked to him. On and he's off. never even. I got to tell you something. He is never even not interviewed because he was in the trainer's yeah. room. He's not even that guy. Yeah. And, well, and I
0: said to him off the record, looked him straight in the eyes, okay, we're not, we're just talking here. I know you're hurt. I saw you get hurt. There's no way you came back this quickly from that injury. You're not playing like your normal game. And he won't respond to it. And yeah. he won't say, even off the record, he won't say, yeah, I know, but I got to play with it. He's, just, he's like, I'm fine. You know, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. And in, And then after the season, we hear all the stuff. Oh, yeah. So it's, 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 people are really unfair. I mean, it's amazing how people, mad people come up to me, I'm mm-hmm. sure you two, Russ, and say the Flyers should trade. I know. Money. It's like, it's all over the place and it's insane. It really well,
1: is. Let, let, let's, let's get off the Flyer page yeah. for a second. Cause uh, you know, there's some stuff that came up uh, on the weekend about the Islanders that I thought was uh, yeah. pretty interesting. First, the first, the whole building situation, Russ, you were included. in. Yeah. On.
2: So it's, I wasn't there or anything, but I spoke to, I go on a radio station, WLIE every Sunday night and, they had some people around the action because it's on the island. And so they had a little get together. You you can call it a little rally at the Coliseum. And I think the only reason they did this was so lawmakers could sort of gauge what the interest still is in the Islanders, right? And because they're talking about building at Belmont and they're talking about maybe expanding the seats at the Coliseum, even though Gary Bettman has said he's dead set against it, but they're still talking about it, right? And so – Couple of interesting things came out. The first one was this really just seems like, again, like living on Long Island, it was always corrupt, and it just seems like this is just a way to pacify the Long Island fan that says we want the Islanders back. So they do this. They have a game in the preseason. They did get a game there this year, and and that's that, right? This is like them saying, look, we've 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 explored this for you. Um, As far as the Belmont thing, I always thought the Citi Field thing was better, but there are those chop shops, and they're leveled now. If you watch a Met game, that part's gone, but I guess the the new Coliseum, or whatever you would call it, whatever the arena would be called, if you had it out there, goes onto the same land that the World's Fair is on, and apparently you can't put anything else there. Like, and that's, that goes back to 1964. Like, I was literally a year old when the World's Fair happened, right? And my right. whole life, we saw that globe. I've taken pictures yeah. by the globe. They've upkept the globe, right? right? But right. The World's Fairs don't exist anymore, right? It, right? Pre-internet, World's Fairs were great. Post-internet, there's no point because you could just – Apple showed yeah. you don't need a World's Fair. You just need a camera and some people online to watch what you're doing.
1: Come but on, the- Russ. We, we saw it destroyed in Men in Black, so we, don't, we yes. didn't see it destroyed in real <laughs> <in laughs> life.
2: Yeah, but I'm just saying so like so there's some sort of weird zoning thing with the World's Fair that's gonna keep an arena out of there in the short term. So it's really Belmont or what the hell? Like and the thing is, it's gotten to the point where people believe that the Islanders are gonna get kicked out of Barclays this year. They're not gonna get kicked out. Like Barclays said, look, we'll go year to year with you, but Barclays does wanna see a resolution at some point because they make more money on concerts, but they're not kicking the Islanders out. What what gets to me is other than the Arizona Coyotes, I've never seen an organization sort of get kicked around the last four or five, six years not really having a place to play because yeah. there's always this dark cloud over them. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, I don't know when it ends. I mean, and hopefully it does end. I mean, I wish that, I honestly think that the best solution would be to just build another arena where where Uniondale is and just, yeah. and just take, you know, that's a big parking lot, take another part of the parking lot, you know, build it over there and then tear down Uniondale and yeah, but they way. but
2: they just, no, using just using the it.
1: yeah they just renovated. I know, I,
0: hope, I know I don't think that was a good idea to do that. But I'm just well, saying that, I think that in general this would have been the best idea. I do. Yes, I in always, general I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, because that's where Islanders fans have always shown up, and in in you know they've never had ticket problems. They never had problems um, selling tickets. You know, they've been successful for many years. They've been solid. I mean,
2: they had um, you no. Know, they did look
0: at. at they did the very and yes.
2: In the last four years, except with the exception of the last year, which a lot of fans want to bring that up, as far as. Um, as a footmark or footnote as to attendance, that's unfair because people knew the team was leaving. They did show up a lot more the last year than they did the few years yeah. before that.
1: Yeah. Now, now the other the other thing that that popped up on the weekend and we can well, debate. It,
2: well, the that. second part, hold on, is is John Tavares like? So if none of this gets resolved. This is going to go the same way the Stamkos thing went, where Stamkos is going to entertain offers. Tavares will entertain offers in in the in free agency. And maybe give the Islanders last shot, but you know, it, 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 the, as it closer, the closer it gets, the way the salary cap has really fallen for the New York Rangers. If they see John Tavares is dangled out there with no Rick Nash on the books, they'll have plenty of money to offer John John Tavares if he yeah. still wants to live on Long Island.
1: Well, okay, yeah. L- Larry yeah. Larry Brooks reported on Sunday. Elliot Friedman put in his 30 thoughts. Uh, uh, the connection between Tavares and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, the thing is, I'm really skeptical that I, I'm not disputing their, you know, their sources, but I'm skeptical of Tampa Bay as a destination for Tavares. I know the connection between T- Stamp Coast and Tavares, but if, you, if you're going to, you know, if you're Tampa and you're going to sign Tavares, you're talking buying out, Ryan Callahan, that's not a problem. You're talking trading the Nikita Kucherov because you won't be able yep. to afford him. You're probably talking moving somebody else out because you're talking about probably 10 to 11 million as an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. He's not going to take the, the the you know he's not going to take the the Steven Stamkos sweetheart deal of eight and a half million because they have no Florida State tax. He's still going to be want want to be paid up at the level of Kane Taves. Yeah. Price maybe not as high as McDavid, but that's what it's going to take. So I'm a little skeptical that Tampa Bay would do that. Me too.
0: Yeah, I am too. I am too. Um, I, I have no doubt the Rangers would go hard after Tavares. Yeah, yeah,
2: I mean, I think they honestly, Ed, without talking about it, I think that's part of the reason they've cleared off all this money. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's possible. I mean, it, it, it's complete. I mean, it's not going to be hard, like you said, to get him to go
0: there.
1: And, um, and, and, yeah. And the same, and the same goes with the same goes with Toronto in terms of Tavares. They would have to clear out Kadri, and they'd probably have to clear out one of Nealander or Marner to be able to afford Tavares. And I don't see them doing that. So that's why I, you know, as much as I was like very pro Stamkos and thinking that they had a chance to sign him, I'm very anti Tavares in in terms of that organization spending that kind of money to bring him in.
0: Yeah. It's it's really hard to say, you know. Like I, I I can't help but think that at the end of the day, somehow this gets done. But this Mm -hmm. is one, this is one of the shakiest of all. I mean, Samco's I thought was shaky last year. This is now shakier than that was, right? Yeah, it's
2: definitely shakier. And and and
0: of any superstar, we have not seen a superstar leave when they could become a UFA before.
1: But but the, but the thing is, is that the everything that we thought the Islanders were going to have to do to get Tavares locked up, they've done absolutely none of it. They they you know okay, they swapped an ineffective Ryan Strong for Jordan Eberle. I think Eberle's an upgrade, but you're paying three and a half million dollars more. But they didn't add. All they did was move out Travis Hamonic for draft picks. Right. And then and then sw- um, get rid of Grabowski's contract for and, and and gave up a first round pick to do that. So they have a lot more money under the cap. The problem is they haven't spent it, and you, all the big free agents are gone. And unless you know, unless they go after Duchesne or somebody else who's rumored to be traded, they really haven't upgraded. So what what basis does Tavares have to stay in New York? They really haven't upgraded that team. Yeah, you're
0: right. You're right about that. Um, uh, so I'll get into a little bit of Duchesne rumors too while we're here. Um, sure. <laughs> um, you know it, it's funny because there's a lot of people out there that are saying that it, it, I think this is what happens with the hockey rumor world right now. like this everybody goes off to their cottages and stops like paying attention and you know and that's fine and I wish I could do this, thing, but I can't. Because um, we, because, because you know, damn it, we've got to provide you guys with rumors all year long, and we want to because this things have not stopped. Like Duchesne, this is the, the the situation is not like Duchesne is suddenly happy and everybody's okay in in Colorado. In fact, it's worse than ever. So, to be honest, you know what's happening now is really is really leading to a bunch of different things. So, the latest that I heard, I heard two things. One I posted on Friday, um, and you guys may have talked about it on the air a little bit when, as I was couldn't do the show on Friday, but. With the idea of the Rangers picking up Anisimov out of from Chicago, and then Chicago turning around and trading for Matt Duchesne with one of their defensemen, um, and that's what you know. And they've got some. Obviously, they you know they need they would get a defenseman. I heard from Chicago in the Anisimov deal too. There's a lot of different moving parts to this, um, but the thought was, okay, maybe this is the magic part of this whole formula that no one knows about. Maybe this is why Sakik is holding out. Maybe this is why, maybe Sackick knows he's got a really good deal that he can get of a player that is a super high quality player out of Chicago. I mean, maybe it's Seabrook or something like that. Who knows? But it's something we were talking about something, some kind of player out of Chicago that he really likes enough to have not moved to Shane for these good offers that he's gotten so far. But in order for Chicago to do this, they have to make another move first. And that's, so there's a there are people I've talked to quite a few people that believe that that is definitely a scenario that's that is out there.
2: It's not. A, it's not and crazy. I mean, over. something else could happen, but it just seems like with Colorado not being in a rush that yeah. it stalled everything.
0: Yeah, it has stalled right now, but it it would you know, either Sackic is just clueless, which I don't think we all, any of us really think so no. is this clueless, or he
2: just doesn't crazy. have pressure from an owner telling
0: him you got to get these done. Yeah, there's yeah. that. There's that too, but there's definitely pressure enough. And I mean, yeah. I wrote about that. I mean, you would think it'd be pressure enough that
1: the pressure he's the pressure he's, the pressure he's getting right now is from Pat on and from and from Matt Duchesne himself because he yeah. wants the situation resolved and, and it's, it's not,
0: not- on the team. Like I've actually I've actually talked to players on the team too that really want it resolved. Other players that are going to stay there that just don't want this happening. That's really I can see not- that, right? Yeah, you know, and it's nothing against Matt Duchesne, though. Also, like, <laughs> he can't do as well as he could have, but they. They don't want to be answering these questions, come training camp, and they don't want to be yeah. going through those stuff. They 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 last year was such a disaster. They really want to focus on jazz hockey and they wanna get their team yeah. going. and they want to, and they want and they know things have to change. I mean, you can't not change a team that was so epically terrible um, as as they were. And right now they've done nothing except for, you know, yeah signing. Side- couple signings here and there which have really not amounted to anything so
1: right and they have they have what 32 guys under contract they have a bunch of rfas that they haven't signed yet and and you know uh, their year their year last year they were trying to win and they finished i think it was 20 points under what the leafs uh finished at the previous year and they ended up
0: losing out from the lottery in a big way right so they got nothing they
2: got no better it was a tough year for them and and it's going to be a tough year again this year, no matter what trade they make, really. But the thing is, if you at least want to say you're
1: moving forward, then you should do this deal with somebody. And yeah. and I th- I have a feeling, and I, this is not based on anything that I've been told, but just as an observer of the scene right now, I have a feeling that the Duchesne you know, sort of – sideshow in terms of him not being traded is holding up other deals from happening. I mean, Sam, mm-hmm. for, example, for example, I know that, you know, there've been some reports, uh, Larry Brooks reported it last week about Tyler Bozak and, and there's also been stuff about James Van Riemsdyk and, you know, Duchesne can play the wing, he can play center and everybody who's looking for a scoring center or a scoring winger is saying Matt Duchesne. And once Matt Duchesne is moved, then, Plan B options, like maybe Van Riemsdyk or Bozak, come to the forefront. But until Duchesne is resolved, that can't get resolved. And right now Toronto is stuck at 49 contracts, probably at 50 when they sign Connor Brown, and with no cap room, so they can't do anything, yes. even assign players to ATOs, because they, there's no openings to sign players to contracts. Correct.
0: And that's a, that's a big... I mean that that's a big issue, and as you know, as this plays out, I think that I think we will see Duchesne deal. And I also the other the other team also that I wrote about yesterday was Montreal again trying to get interested. Now, Montreal also is in a similar situation where they have they don't have the right match to make this deal, so they've got to get something to make it. And I've heard that as well, and so. Zachary is going a little bit off these three-way deals, and he's waiting on some of those. Those are hard things to wait on as a GM because they require a lot that you can't control, yep. um, you know, to happen. And if that doesn't happen, then you're sitting back where you know you have definitive deals that can be made right now that he's not making because he think he thinks he has better possibilities with maybe Montreal picking up some defenseman from somewhere that he wants and then moving him on to them.
1: I, I would like I would like an explanation, and we we can explore this over the summer. Why three way deals are so easy to make in the NBA when it comes to money, but yeah. but it's not easy in the NHL. You know, when it comes to money and players and prospects, it's it's very very difficult. You very rarely see it in the NHL, but you see it every day in the NBA, where a, a yeah. third team or a fourth team are included. You know, I've asked people this before, and the one and,
0: and I sort of I'm not exactly asked the question, but I've asked you know why is it we don't see more of these bigger NBA type trades? Not necessarily connected with three way trades, but and but the one thing I've heard from people over and over again is the parity in the NHL is so much different than that of the NBA. And that you have all these teams that are closer together. And, you know, it's hard to make trades with teams that you could actually help that team be better than you if you're not careful. Um, where in the NBA, the teams are sort of defined. Um, they're very defined right now. They've never, never been more defined in the NBA than they are right now. Basically, you have two teams at the top and then everybody else, right? So, um, but yeah, in the NHL, it's let, hard. let me tell
2: you what's going on Twitter, though, right now, because Darren Dreger, and I don't think he did this on purpose. He, he posted a picture of Andrew Ladd, who's got this sturgeon uh, tournament, sturgeon charity tournament going on. Sturgeon is a fish, you know. They, sturgeon is a fish. Yes. I <laughs> you know, think a lot of Jewish people eat them, and they're horrible. Like it's oh, a bony, uh, but they're but they're massively old fish too. Like they they may be the oldest fish on earth, right? So I don't yeah, know yeah. if this tournament is to catch them or not. It looks like he's releasing one, but the point is now Islander fans are tagging this with Matt Duchesne saying hey fishing is great on Long Island and 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 now this has turned into this on Twitter today and it's funny because look I've gone out to Long Island Sound and fished I'm not a fisherman it is unbelievable but like you know I mean this just shows you What's going on out there? Like, how fans of
1: other teams really want Russ, this guy. Russ, how what's ne- what's what's next? Are they gonna li- are they gonna link a video of uh, Billy Joel's Downeaster Alexa? I mean, <laughs> what's, what's going on? I'm just
0: saying, yeah. but this is funny that this is going on. There are monsters out there in the canyon, Mike. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> that song. I love that song. By the way, I, that's one of my favorite Billy Joel it's songs. A little, it's a
2: little bit of a downer, but I get it.
0: Yeah, it is, and I get you know, but. You know.
1: Yeah, but but you like Springsteen? Come on.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't like many Billy Joel songs, so but I like that one. Um, so, so yeah, So I, I mean, I so Montreal. You know, another team that is we have a couple teams that are pretty desperate in Montreal, in the Islanders, and what's going to happen with them is going to be kind of the thing to watch over the next couple weeks. And I, I don't think that we're going to get into August. I, I really think that Duchesne will be moved before that. Um. And I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't be shocked if it goes that far because really right now, the rookie camps have all ended. And there's a lot of talk going on right now because people have seen what they have. They have a sense of these rookies and who are maybe ready, who are not ready. So you know if you've got a chance to pull somebody up or not or if you're going to really need to fill spots. You know, And a lot of these players like the Cody Franzens of the world are waiting around for those rookies to see how they work.
2: Yeah, um, but here's the, here's the argument, okay. So let's yeah. say Dushane, right? Let's say Dushane and the Islanders talk. The Islanders have to give him Matt Barzell. Barzell is either going to play this year. Or he's definitely going to play next year. And the point is, Duchesne's on a limited year deal. What's he got? Two more years, and then he's a free agent. A team like the Islanders can't guarantee that Matt Duchesne's going to re-sign with them. Neither could any other team. And that's going to also complicate this kind of a trade. But the Islanders have not held
0: back because of that before. That's that's one. This is one thing the Islanders yeah. have a tendency to trust that people once they get there will like it there. Yeah. This is something. This is something that they've always done. You know, and they. I mean, this oh, is a team that it and, worked with Letty and Boychuk. It did. It worked with those guys. It's kind of legendary, like you know, um, who was the the member the remember the Russian defenseman they had for a long time who came over there and did not want to be there at all, and then oh
2: yeah 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 um, signing
0: a bunch of contracts there the offensive
1: defenseman what's the Riversnovsky,
0: yeah, Riznowski, yeah. I mean, and that he wasn't the first, you know, like there were other mm-hmm. there were other players that went through that came same kind of thing and that didn't want to play there, and then once they got there, they realized it's a great place to play and it's a great it's a great fan base. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I think I wouldn't – for the Islanders, they have to take that chance. They have to go and they have to make they – they're at the point where they have to take that shot. Um, they have to trade him, and that young defenseman, even though they
2: like him. No, I mean, Barzell could be better than Matt Duchesne. That's the problem. Yeah. And, and if you don't get Matt Duchesne re-signed, then that trade looks horrible in three
0: years. Yeah, I mean, I guess you really just have to look at Barzell from a, a really intense you know, scrutiny and say to yourself, "Is he actually going to be better than Matt Duchesne? Um, that's, you know, and that's such a hard thing to do right now. There's no guarantee you'll be the answer. So, but I think that they have to at some point that they're going to have to do this because, and they're going to have to take the chance that Duchesne's going to be okay there, or else they're just simply not going to do enough to keep Tavares there, which is going.
2: Then it's a center for center trade, and yeah. and it probably would satisfy Colorado because they'd have, you know, Barzell for a lot of years, but. It could backfire on the Islanders too. And they, you know how Garth is. He doesn't like to think about the backfiring part.
0: Well, yeah, as long as they can get a defenseman. I mean, the other thing is, I keep expecting, you know, Boston to get in on this more. Um, But they, every time it looks like Boston is going to get into Shane because Boston has the defensive depth to maybe make the trade, they, they, it seems like Boston is is really important. Interested because, in Landeskog, like Landeskog, they Boston would rather they would do more for Landeskog for whatever reason that the player they
1: they seem to want. So, and right, Gawke, but, but, but Colorado, Colorado wants one guy. Yeah, that's Brandon right. Carlo because right, he's right. from he's from right Colorado that and get it done. And at some point here,
0: you know, you've seen Carlo probably more now. Like I'm sure he was, you know, around. I don't know if he was part of the rookie camp or not. Probably not, but no. But you know, I'm sure but you've seen him enough now that at some point you have to look at, look and look everybody in the eye and say, Bruins just they need scoring really badly. And as much as they you know, I mean Strachey's not doing it anymore, he's not gonna do it, you know, they've lost Lucic. They haven't you know, they're getting obviously they've got some they've got some good young players there, but at some point I could I would I could see Boston yeah. saying fine, you know Here's I mean, the problem.
2: They still have Boston still has plenty of great defensemen that are one year, two years, three years yeah. away. Right. Worsowski is now in Vegas, so that was like one of their extra guys with some offensive talent. He's gone. Grizzlick's still around. They've never really given him a shot. But if you get rid of Carlo, there isn't a lot of depth to slide into the NHL lineup defensively. Right, right. You have to play Grizzlick at that point. I, you know, I might be okay doing that, depending on the pairings, but you know Chara's going to get hurt for a certain amount of games, and their depth on defense isn't great.
1: Yeah, I yeah. mean, the only significant ad they made was Paul Postma. Right. So,
0: or you go out and, you, you know, you get a Cody Franson for a year and you just wait. You know I mean? That's the other thing you do. And you could just, do that. You know, that that I think is what teams need to think, need to start thinking more in terms
2: of, you know, like, okay. Well, they might be thinking about that as a last resort. Like, unfortunately, Cody Friends and Andre Markov, these are now last resort plans. These are like, instead of plan A or B, that's like an E for teams. yeah.
0: yeah. It's funny they're both uh, and Markov again. I, I did finally finally hear that the Leafs had, had talked to him. I don't know how far it went, um, but I heard that they talked to him. So he expected them to because it made all the sense in the world. But
1: yeah, but a lot. Uh, let's just say this: a lot of hoops would have to be jumped through yeah. for the Leafs to be able to have the room. Contract-wise and money-wise, to sign Markov, I mean, unless he
2: went cheap, unless
1: he went like one year, a couple million bucks. Even, even them, Ross. I mean, they, they could they could sign him for a couple for a couple million dollars for a year, but they're are at forty nine contracts with right. with Connor Brown unsigned. It's like it, it's not exactly easy to dump contracts right now.
2: Yeah. So
0: you yeah. know, no, it isn't. It isn't. It's not at all. It's really tough to dump contracts right now. So. Uh, Anyway, yep, I think that's about all of, we were good for today. Um, I really appreciate you guys jumping on, and uh, thanks so much to, uh, to everybody, and thanks to everybody last oh, week. Happy
2: World Emoji
0: Day. It's a thing. I, I didn't make it up. Thing, all right. Happy World Emoji Day. There's something else today that I saw. It's like Happy Third Pet Day or something like that. Anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's it's always something. So anyway, um, if you're down in state tonight, uh, I will be at the Hooters concert. <laughs> if you're down in Osteen, New, New Jersey, so stop by and say hi.